0: Hi, welcome to the Newberry Chronicles. This is a podcast in which two readers go through each and every Newberry Medal winner, and then we talk about it. I'm Michael.
1: And this is Rebecca.
0: And this time on the Newberry Chronicles, we are going to be talking about the 2012 Newberry Medal winner, Dead End in Norvelt, by Jack Gantos. But first, don't forget, you can email us at newberrychronicles at gmail.com. Thus far, it's just been... My mom who's emailed us, which I appreciate her participation, but uh, I know that there are maybe a couple more listeners who might have some thoughts, so feel free to weigh in.
1: I feel like we should say, and don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss our next, but that's on YouTube. You can still subscribe, yeah. though. Hit that subscribe
0: um, button. Yeah. And uh, this this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Shut <laughs> <laughs> <With the, laughs> up. If or we get well, podcasts don't usually do Audible. Podcasts are usually like something. It's like me undies or what are some of the other ones? A BetterHelp. All the ones this, that yeah. This I podcast is brought help. to you by BetterHelp online. Isn't it then hard to get out to the therapist's office?
1: <laughs> okay, but those are all important things. We're not. Well, I don't know about the undies, but well, underwear is important. But
0: as as know, we all know,
1: this conversation is a dead end, just like this book. I'm just kidding. Oh wow! This was a great book. You want me to talk about the author?
0: Uh, yes. Why don't you go ahead and okay. talk about the author, Jack Gantos.
1: So, Mike, neither Michael nor I knew anything about this book or this author before we read this book, but he's really fun. Like he's, he's a character. He's a fun guy. Well, I don't know if he's fun, but his writing is fun. Um, regardless, he was born on July 2nd, 1951 in Mount Pleasant, Pennsylvania, um, he's best known for his fictional characters, Rotten Ralph and Joey Pigza. He wrote several, several books about those guys. Um, he was also a Newbery Honor for one of the Joey Pigza books. Um, he, His dad was a construction superintendent, and his mom was a banker. Um, he grew up, well, grew up is a loose term. He lived for the first seven years of his life in the nearby town of Norvelt, which is where this book takes place. This book is semi-autobiographical. Norvelt was created during the Great Depression by the federal government as a model community, and it was intended to increase the standard of living of laid-off coal miners. Um, Something about this town is that uh, FDR and other people on his team really wanted these homes that they were building to be very minimal, with no electricity or running water, and Eleanor said no.
0: Eleanor Roosevelt. Yes.
1: Well, who else would it be? FDR. Who are we talking about?
0: I just want to make sure that all of our Look, we don't we don't want to assume the historical basis. literacy. of I would
1: love to be on a first name read- basis with Eleanor. So you
0: think she went by Eleanor, or was it like Ellie L I don't know. She. Nor.
1: This Mrs. Roosevelt. Um, said no. She really advocated for these to be modest sized homes but nice homes that had electricity and running water and that families could feel dignity and honor in this Can you homes.
0: imagine? Hey, sorry you got laid off from your coal mining job. Here's a hut with Here, no running water or electricity for I, you to whittle I, away I your gun. I
1: can't soon. imagine that, you know? Like I it's it's very believable to me. But um, anyway so that's, that's what this community was. It's, it's so fascinating to me, all of it. Um, I encourage you to read the Wikipedia article on it, but I'm not going to waste time talking about it. But um, it was a really cool thing. Um, so anyway, he lived there with his family until he was seven, and then they moved to Barbados. Um, when he was there, he attended British schools, and they really emphasized reading and writing. Oh, a really sweet, sad thing that I read in his... Um, you guys should, if you're interested at all in this guy or his book, or even if you're not, um, go to his main page, like his his author page, and he has a really funny, wild bio on there that's really interesting. But one sweet thing that I read on there is that when he was in the first grade, he was in the Bluebird uh, reading group, and he found out that that reading group was for slow readers. And he said, to this day, I'd rather be called a Bluebird than a slow reader. So
0: It is a nice euphemism. It didn't
1: stop him. Um, You know, something to say about ability grouping, but we won't say it here. Anyway.
0: I'll say it here. It's, it's, never mind, I won't.
1: Okay. So, um, when he was in Barbados, oh yeah, I already said that part. Okay. Later on, they moved to Florida. Um, they just bounced around, which Wait, is really funny to me. Isn't that it while moved. he was in
0: Barbados, isn't that where his life took its hard turn to It was
1: hard for me to see, like, understand. This dude's a
0: criminal. This well, dude's an he actual is, but criminal. We're going to
1: get to that. But, like, he, the timeline of his life is about as confusing as this book was. But regardless, he lived in a lot of different places. He also lived in um, the Virgin Islands with his family, and that is where he got involved in the drug trade, is my understanding.
0: Yeah, dude was he, dude was a
1: he. And he said in an interview that Michael read that he got involved in the drug trade to fund his college uh, career.
0: Could be because he graduated from a private college, so that uh, yeah, not, not cheap tuition. We
1: think he graduated from Emerson, from what we could tell from Wikipedia. But he spent a year and a half um, in prison for his um, drug dealing years. Um, He did go to college, and that's when he continued writing. He published his first book, Rotten Ralph, in 1976. Um, He also wrote a lot of picture books, and he was a professor of creative writing and literature at Emerson College, which we think was um, where he got his bachelor's.
0: Wikipedia says it's his alma mater. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was also a visiting professor at several other colleges and... At both Emerson College and Vermont College, he developed a master's degree program in children's book writing. Isn't that so cool? I thought that was really cool.
0: It is cool. This guy's got a cool he, life.
1: He also wrote a memoir in two thousand four called Hole in My Life, which I would definitely be interested in reading. But like anything that he writes, it's it, you know I think it would be hard to tell like what is what is fact from fiction. But I think that's part of the beauty of this book. Which yeah, we're about reading
0: to I read a couple interviews. That from this guy because i was trying to figure out how much of this book is actually autobiographical or not um and he in his interviews he strikes me as the kind of person who is amused by himself Mm -hmm. like and enjoys like just saying things that may or may not be true but he said them because they would be fun and outrageous things Mm -hmm. to say um all of which is to say this book is funny um, so Dead End and Norvelt. Let me run through the plot.
1: One thing real quick okay. before you do that. This book not only won the Newbery, but it also won the Scott O'Dell book and was nominated, award, the Scott O'Dell award.
0: I don't know what that is. Well, it's the dude oh, looking,
1: Island of the Blue Dolphins.
0: Well, it's the award for historical fiction I'm yeah. looking for. Also, yeah. I think this was a Prince um, winner as well. The Prince is another uh, oh, prestigious children's book medal but and
1: it was nominated for the the... oh never mind
0: anyway so dead end of norvell the book in question today um so this is kind of sort of autobiographical and it's hard to tell what exactly is true and what isn't i looked in an interview and he mentioned that like the town is like basically he said something like the core of the story is true but he embellished and added things to make it into a novel and also,
1: if he only lived there till he was seven,
0: yeah, he's um he's like supposed to be twelve or something in this book, yeah, or eleven. He's something like he's like middle school age, um in this book. But anyway, this book uh, is about Jack Jack Gantos um, Gantos. Did you ever learn how to pronounce his name? No, Gantos. I'm going to say Gantos. Um, and so in the book, I'm not sure if this is true in real life, but in the book, um, his mom is a native Norveltian. She grew up in Norvelt, and she kind of believes in this whole project, this kind of, like, New Deal, sort of, like, you know, every American deserves, like, dignity, and it's the role of the government to give people that, and it's also the role of the community to care for itself, like, and care for each other as well in ways that are maybe not always um, monetarily focused. Like, there's, like, a running thread in the book where she keeps trying to, like, trade services instead of pay for things, like... um there's, like, this medical procedure, and she tries to, like, give the guy, the doctor, um, like, peach preserves or something like that mm-hmm. in exchange for it. There's, like, a few other times where she tries to say, like, I'll have my son Jack come and, like, work for you uh, if we do this thing. Like, um, in the spirit of, like, what people would have been doing in the Great Depression and in the spirit of what she conceived as, like, Eleanor Roosevelt's ideals. Because Eleanor Roosevelt is, like, a patron saint of this town, basically, mm-hmm. because the town gets its name from her from her name, mm-hmm. which took me an embarrassingly long time to realize until they say it in the book. And then it's like, of course, like Eleanor Roosevelt, mm-hmm. Norvelt. Mm-hmm. At any rate, so his mom is kind of a true believer in this town. And at this point, it's the 1960s. It's 1962. So the town has been around for several decades, and is kind of starting to hemorrhage uh, residents, and is kind of a becoming a shadow of what it once was because a lot of the old like current like old timers are starting to die off um jack's dad is not from norvelt um and he is a world war ii vet and has come back from world war ii obviously at this point it's been uh, quite a while since he's come back from world war ii but world war ii kind of like gave him larger horizons that he saw and he came back from world war ii thinking that like hey i don't really want to stay in norvelt i'm i I've got like cabin fever basically here. And this is a small town. Uh, I want to get out. Full um, of commies. Full of commies. Yeah, like this guy sounds like a real piece of work, honestly. Like he's obsessed with communists, as I think a lot of um a lot of Americans were at this time. But like he thinks that Eleanor Roosevelt was communist and all this sort of stuff. Um he's kind of an abrasive character, to be honest. Um and pretty but, insufferable. Yeah, um, and so that's kind of the setup is that you have this family that is very like ideologically divided because the mother really loves this town and the values of this town. The father really doesn't. Um, and this town is kind of aging. Um, and so Jack is kind of, it, it takes place over one summer in 1962. And, uh, at the beginning of the summer, he gets in trouble with both of his parents. He gets in trouble with his dad because he's playing around with his dad's old world war two equipment. And he has this Japanese sniper rifle, um, and he f- fires off the Japanese sniper rifle thinking that um, it's not loaded, but it actually is, and he ends up like getting in big trouble about that. And then also he gets in trouble with his mom because his mom is growing some corn out back. Because in Norvelt, at least in the book, everyone has like a plot of land in the back where they can grow food um, and share it with each other and stuff. Um, and so she's growing some corn so that she can sell it and then give money to... To feed people like um, who need food. Um, And Jack's dad doesn't want to use their back plot for that. Jack's dad wants to use the back plot uh, for a runway because he's somehow just bought a plane um, through means that I'm not sure how. Um, And so Jack is told by his dad to cut down this um, this corn that his mom is growing. And so he does cut down the corn, most of the corn. Um, and like his dad asked him to do and His mom, of course, is livid about this. And his mom's like, don't cut down the rest of that corn or you're going to be in big trouble. Um, but, uh, Jack's dad is like, hey, you need to cut down the rest of that corn. And so Jack does it and then he gets in trouble. And so as a consequence, he's grounded the whole summer. Mm -hmm. Um, and for, for him grounding means he basically can't leave his house unless he's going and doing chores or he's working for someone else. And so... Um, his mom will tell him, like, oh, so-and-so needs help, go help them. And that's how he gets out of the house, um, is to go do chores for other people. And the person that he starts doing chores for the most is this woman, this old woman called Miss Volker, who's, like, the medical examiner for the town, but she's Mm -hmm. also kind of the unofficial town historian as well. Mm -hmm. And she needs help um, writing obituaries. uh, Because as the medical examiner, uh, she has to go declare people dead, but then she also writes the obituaries and sends them to the town paper to be published. But she's got this, like, debilitating arthritis, and so she really can't write anything. Mm -hmm. Um, She has to, like, soak her hands in, like, hot paraffin paraffin wax. wax. Uh, And there's this really kind of funny scene when he first sees her where, like, she's been doing that with her hands, and so there's, like, wax dripping off her hands, and Jack thinks that her hands are melting. Um, But, um, so Jack starts to, like strike up this friendship with Ms. Volker because she's his ticket out of being grounded, but also he starts to really, you know, learn to appreciate and get into the town history. Um, And uh, he and Ms. Volker go all over town, like mostly declaring people dead and then writing their obituaries. But the obituaries are these really like florid, beautifully written, um, like really essays on town history and how the person who died intersected their town history Uh, and, like, national history sometimes. Uh, And so, like, you get these obituaries every once in a while as the book goes on, and they kind of fill in stuff about the town history and how these different people had, like, you know, um, done things in the town, and you learn about the town history. There was a Japanese internment camp uh, somewhere locally um, that you learn about, you know, and so you start learning about some of the, like, less savory parts of their history as well. There was, like, racial tensions between, like, black and white, um, earlier in the town history as well um and one of the people who died was one of the people who was very very racist about black people and you get to learn about that um but a lot of it is just kind of like almost like reflective and more about like the town as a community than like even like these political issues necessarily um so most of the book is kind of this episodic thing where he's grounded he'll be you know and he He'll be either stuck in his room thinking about things or he gets called out to be with Miss Volker or his dad is trying to get him to help him with his runway uh, or his mom is helping him like cook casseroles for the old folks home or something like that.
1: They sound um, like disgusting casseroles too. They got mushrooms in them, which I have a story about a mushroom casserole that was given to our family when my little sister was born. I hate mushrooms to this day.
0: What, what happened with the mushroom casserole? That's
1: how I first discovered my aversion to them and I just threw up and couldn't handle it. Oh,
0: well, I like mushrooms. So, um, a house divided here. Um, at any rate, so, like, I basically described the premise, and it's kind of hard to, like, walk through a plot because a lot of this book is very episodic, just walking through this thing happened over the summer, and then this thing happened, and then this thing happened. But eventually everything kind of, like, some of these instances, not all of them, but some of them kind of, like, culminate together up into this um, sort of climax. Um, some hell's angels come through town, and there's... Um, they, uh, one of the Hells Angels gets killed because he gets smushed by a cement truck, yeah. um, because he's drunk Very and correct. dancing in the street. But through this, they find out they write the obituary for this guy, and through this, they find out that, um, some of the town's homes were starting to be sold off, and one of them was being sold off to the Hells Angels. Um, and, uh, you start hearing about like increasingly, um, like, at a starting to be an alarming rate, like, the original people who lived in Norvelt are starting to die off, um, and the, uh, uh, like, they're even starting to, like, sell these houses, which are vacant for the people, from the people who just died, and they're taking them to other towns instead, like, you know, like, uh, like, fairly complicated, like, just excavating these homes and then taking them to, like, West Virginia or whatever. Mm Um, and so eventually what, we start to find out is like, there are some people who are like monetarily benefiting from the town. Cause they realize that like this town is never going to be anything more than what it is. Um, and, uh, like for instance, uh, the, uh, funeral home director slash mortician, whose name is Mr. Huffer, whose daughter bunny Jackson sometimes plays with. Um, he is, um, also trying to start another town in, I think West Virginia, actually. Um, where he's going to be able to sell a bunch of land and make a lot of money off of it. And so he's starting to like take these homes to West Virginia to start building his other town. Um, Jack's dad is involved in that. Um, and then you also have like, again, like a lot of suspicion surrounding like, why are all these people dying? And at first I think it's the hell's angels killing people or cursing people. Then they think um, it's Miss is doing it. It turns out it is like the.
1: Well, and Jack's mom has that fear for a second that she killed him with her casseroles because maybe she used a poisonous mushroom.
0: Right, because she's just like picking mushrooms from the garbage. By the dump. Like there's mushrooms growing yeah. by the dump that she's picking. That's very much his mom. It's just like, oh, I found this thing growing wildly and let's cook it. Um, but what it turns out, and this is a spoiler, although it's not really a very big mystery until like maybe the last like. Fifty pages of the book, so it's not really spoiling most of the book. But it turns out in this very bizarre, uh, morbid twist that the police chief. What what is Spitzer's role? Is he police? He's a
1: voluntary. He's a voluntary cop.
0: Yeah, because the town doesn't have a police force really, um, because it's so small. But he he writes tickets, basically like zoning police, like oh your grass is the wrong length or whatever. But he has long been in love with miss Volker, um the the woman that jack is writing obituaries for and uh, miss Volker has long said like i i'm not going to marry you until you're the last man left in um
1: till till you and i are the last of the original residents right in and
0: so it turns out that he has been poisoning these old people so that they are the last original residents so that he can marry her um and then at the end they catch him and he has to and he runs off um and that's kind of the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've done a bad job of stringing this together into a coherent plot. But that is that is like what literally happens in the book. But I think that like what happens is less, that's less important than how it happens. Like this is very much a book of like just kind of small incidents that are told in interesting ways, I yeah. think, um, is the thing. And sometimes it's just interesting, like ho- historical connections. Other times it's like, very funny, there's this one incident where they think that this woman may have died, but they're not sure. They, she just hasn't been seen in public in a while. And so they have Jack. Ms. Volker has Jack because she's a medical examiner. And she's like, if I just show up, she might drop dead anyway because she'll be so afraid of the medical examiner coming. And so you've got to sneak in um, to her house and see if she's alive or dead. Is that
1: one's scared to death?
0: Yeah, well, even better. Uh, Jack is like, well, I can't. I'm supposed to be grounded. My mom's not gonna like me coming out um, and doing all this stuff. She's like, "Well, just go in disguise." And he's like, "I don't have any disguises except for this old Halloween costume of the Grim Reaper." And so he puts on this Grim Reaper costume and sneaks into this woman's house. And she looks like she's dead because she's like laying in a chair and the radio's on or something. And he goes up and he like touches her and she like wakes up and she thinks he's actually the Grim Reaper. She's like, "Oh, is it my time?" And he's like, "Are you dead?" And she's like, "No." She's like, can you wait for two weeks until my grandson's birthday or something? And (laughs) he's like, okay. And then she invites him to some tea, but he's too scared and he leaves. Oh, I I did forget one important thread throughout the book is that Jack has this condition where his nose bleeds if he gets too anxious. And so throughout the book, he'll get really anxious about things and his nose will start bleeding. And that leads to some like logistical issues like his clothes will get all bloody um, or whatever. And he's kind of timid, it seems like. Yeah. Um, And so, throughout the book, this is kind of like uh, a little bit of an arc of him kind of learning how to have a little bit more fortitude and not be so timid, but also like getting medical treatment for his nose, which um, Ms. Volker actually knows how to fix, um, and she eventually does in this kind of horrifying sounding procedure,
1: where she like
0: heats up this like iron basically and cauterizes the inside of his nose. Anyway.
1: And he can smell it burning. It's just terrible. Yeah.
0: Anyway, this is a very funny, a very odd book. Um, I mentioned that the ending is kind of like out of nowhere morbid, and it is, but the rest of the book does have this very like kind of gallows humor about it because a lot of it is focused on these people who have died. Um, And Miss Volker is very just like matter of fact about it. Having been the medical examiner, she is not phased by death. Um, And so she's very frank about like death and gore and a lot of stuff like that um his friend bunny is also like that like she is very used to dead bodies because her dad like is is mortician embalming these people uh and so she's always like kind of like trying to show jack dead bodies and stuff um so the whole book is like haunted by death um and jack has to kind of come to terms with like that death is around him Mm -hmm. and like also learn to appreciate his town which is in its own way dying although Norvelt still exists today so it survived but it still only sort got like 400 residents.
1: Yeah, it did survive, but the the intention did not. Like a lot of what you see in this book of people like this town was was kind of built as a direct like affront to capitalism and it's like we can make this work care for one another. Like we we don't need money. But then there were so many aspirations for these like I don't know why every what is so appealing about Florida? Like everybody wants to go to Florida. Like as opposed to it's just a strange I wonder if at
0: the time there was a lot of Open land in Florida, probably
1: because his dad wants to go for monetary opportunities, like for him to build homes. So it's like it seems like this yeah. is like a developing area. I don't I don't know a lot about the yeah. history of Florida, which we learned with Strawberry Girl that we didn't know. It but was even
0: there. that was before right, when exactly. this book takes place.
1: Exactly, but um, I don't know. It was kind of sad to read um, that Wikipedia article on Norvell because basically, like the 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 original intention just kind of fell flat once people like were lured in by capitalism so right
0: and i mean like a big thread throughout this book is like in a way the book is a eulogy for like basically pre-war america yeah. like pre-world war ii america um mm-hmm. and because like a lot of like i said miss volker's obituaries are tying in these people who are dying to like the broader sweep of history and like the town history and, like, specifically with Norvelt, it's, like, kind of the death of the kind of New Deal, like, Great Depression ethos of America, which was, you know, at least ostensibly about, like, caring for the needy and, like, making sure that working Americans can, you know, get um, get by and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, into, like, kind of what gets born into post-war America, which is, like, you know, big expansionist mindset and, like, big developments and that sort of thing that are mostly done by private capital as opposed to the government. Um, but I think also, like, there's just this general, not just specifically the New Deal, but just g- that general spirit of, like, um, it's not quite accurate to call the New Deal radical because obviously it was done by the federal government, like, not radically. But, like, there is a lot of talk, especially from Ms. Volker, that she admires, like, radicals like i don't think we'll read another book in this entire um uh podcast that talks favorably about emma goldman who is like a fam- famously like a, a like a american anarchist who like you know at one point defected to the soviet union and things like that like um there's a real like nostalgia maybe is the right word for it for this kind of like earlier version of america or at least Miss Volker's version of America, in which that kind of revolutionary spirit, like, in which, like, people would fight, like, entrenched powers mm-hmm. of, like, you know, wealth or whatever. Um, so I don't know. Like, in a, in a way, a book the book is kind of about that. And that's, like, the conflict between Jack's mom and Jack's dad, too, is Jack's mm-hmm. dad is very much like that kind of post-war mindset that, like, um, you know, the kind of crystallization of what we would consider to be the American dream, which is that, like, not just, like, homeownership and basic necessities cared for, but specifically this kind of aspirational, like, entrepreneurial spirit um, that was into, like, accumulating, like, wealth as an an objective. Um, And then Jack's mom is, of course, like, more loyal to this older um, form of, like, the American dream, which is more, like egalitarian or whatever you want to call it um at least in terms of like economics um anyway that's kind of a roundabout way of summarizing the book because like i said the book is kind of haphazard and there's not like a unifying like plot arc um all the time yeah but mostly it's funny like i we've got we've kind of waxed philosophical here but it's 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 basically a comedic it's a comedic book yeah what did you like about it, Rebecca?
1: So I love the story. I think it's really interesting and engaging. Um, I, I really love all of um, the obituaries. I think they're really, they're beautiful. They're <laughs> just like beautifully written and um, just her insight. And like I, I just love, um, what, what's her name? Miss, what's her name? Volker. Miss Volker. Sorry, n- the names in this book for some reason just escaped me. But Miss Volker, she is—I love her so much. Like she's just this scrappy woman that I don't know. She just stands up for herself for everybody in the town. She's just no nonsense. I loved her. I think I think her relationship with Jack is really sweet. Um, I At like multiple them.
0: times, this is funny, but it's also strange. Like this, like eleven-year-old boy. Uh, they talk about that, like, oh, Miss Volker can't marry. Uh, Spitzer because she's already got a boyfriend. Yeah, in chat. and
1: it's kind of it's like uncomfortable. Like obviously that's not what's going on, but it's also like the way they're talking about it is uncomfortable. What's funny too is this is our second book in a row that deals very cavalierly with death, which just really always takes me off guard. um This book, it well, I'm still talking about things that I love. Um, I really like the big theme of community versus individualism. I feel like they do that really well without hitting you on the nose with it. Um, The whole tension between his dad and his mom, I think that's really well done. Um, And I really love the endings. There's this scene at the end where, like, you just see Jack kind of growing up over the summer. Um, It's like he and his dad have this idea... um, to go, what do they fill the balloons with? In it's the like plane? red paint, isn't it? Yeah, so they're gonna fly over this like, um, this outdoor theater in the town. This like drive in is what it sounds like. Which is in how, the plane. um,
0: that's how Jack gets in trouble at the beginning. Right. He fires off the sniper rifle because he's watching this drive in movie that's a war movie mm-hmm. and he's pretending to like be in the war movie because he's got his dad's rifle and stuff, and then he accidentally shoots the screen.
1: Which we left out that whole subplot. You find out later that it was his uncle who put the bullet in the gun. But that, like, is a whole other story that we don't have to get into. Regardless, his dad has this idea, why don't we fly over the theater, and when this explosion happens, we drop these balloons with red paint. And, which is, like, funny, you know, in theory, but... Jack realizes that the people are really terrified, and he's like, you know, Dad, maybe this isn't funny. Maybe they're really scared. Maybe it's not a funny joke. And so I just, I think that scene is really good, because you've seen the whole time, like, he admires his dad. He's very fascinated with his time in the war. Like, he's very, you know, just cavalier, like, there's a lot of, like, racism in the beginning about, like, you know, just our attitude toward the Japanese, and All this stuff and he's just like, you can see that he's like, this isn't, it isn't funny to take joy in other people's pain and their fear. And I just think that that's a really poignant part of the book and that's kind of how it ends. Um, So those are things that I like.
0: I like those things too. I think, um, first of all, like, I think, again, like as I've said before, this book is really funny. Like, if I'm talking about things that I like. Mm -hmm. And... It's just, it's funny in, like, unexpected ways. Like, you start a chapter, and you have no idea what's going to happen in that chapter. Because it's just so, like, unpredictable. Like, the things that happen are just so funny. Like, he... Yeah. Like, it truly feels like... I
1: also really... That scene with the Green Reaper is really funny. Like...
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's really funny. And there's other things that are really funny, too. Even when you get to the part of, like, uh, the volunteer cop having murdered people... Like, even that is described in a way that's really funny, because he, like, kidnaps Miss Volker and ties her up in a basement, and she's like, I never liked him better than when he was describing how he killed and all he these people. And was
1: gentle in the way he tied me up. It made me think of that scene in Jane the Virgin where Louisa... Anyway, I'm... Sorry. It just reminded me of the scene and Anyway, keep going. Yeah. So anyway, like,
0: it's it's really... It's funny in unexpected ways, and... This is really offbeat, and it's also never it's it's funny in ways that also feel really organic too. It doesn't really feel yep. forced. It's very observational, um, and it usually is humor that like also reveals things about characters or who Jack is or how Jack is feeling at a certain moment. And <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a lot of it is very like ironic, but it's never snarky. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is very like jokey but it's never goofy in like a kind of like like the ways that like his books can sometimes be goofy when they're trying to be funny like it's just a very there is just a very particular sense of humor that I I wasn't expecting in this book and I really liked that um like I feel uh,
1: like it's got kind of a Twain-esque like humor and the way i don't know it just kind of reminds me of mark twain in some ways a little
0: bit yeah where it's kind of amused by like these kind of parochial people yeah. like but it's also it's it's not really condescending either like no. it i mean there there's clearly people that maybe i'm projecting but i think it's pretty clear that like for instance the narrator does not care for spitzer at all i think it's pretty clear that like the narrator Spitz. has is it Spitz? Yeah. not spitzer I don't I've know. been saying that. Wrong. I don't
1: know anybody's name in this book, so I probably shouldn't correct you.
0: Well, the 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 volunteer cop, like the book the has murderer. the book has clear contempt for some people. Or I feel like it's clear. Yes. Like I think the dad, like there's a certain level of contempt Ugh. for him, like because he gets moments. I have Jack gets. Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe I'm projecting because the dad, the dad is pretty repulsive. Because um, he just doesn't care about other people, including his wife.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Like the whole conflict at the beginning of the book, where he. Is set. He's pitting his son against his mom, um, and and mows down all those crops. Like that's pretty bad. Um, but anyway, like there's there's contempt for these characters, but also like these are characters that are still like drawn interestingly. <coughs> like the dad is very interesting and eccentric. Um, he's just like kind of contemptible. Um, I like you like the the kind of bigger thematic aim. Like I I do think that they're. Yeah, I don't want to go on my like political rabbit trail, but there truly was, at least as I read it in history, maybe people who were there would feel differently. But there truly was a moment in the middle of the 20th century when, like the the federal government of the United States started to see itself differently as, like, you know, not something that was there to care for the people, but rather something that was there to. Uh, basically steward the economic interests of the country like in terms of like property and um you know wealth funds and that sort of thing you know like and that change starts happening in like the 60s and and 70s and stuff like the time period this book is describing and like there is something like very there is something very sad about re to me and this is like me, I'm a public school teacher and all that. So like, you know, I have a very, you know, vested interest in the public sector. But it is very sad to me when I look back and look at these big projects that the government did, irrespective of whether or not they could be financed or whether or not they uh, were, um, you know, beneficial to the, you know, Wall Street or whatever existed of like, you know, publicly traded um, financial interests at the time, um, you know these big public works projects. Like I, there is a sort of nostalgia that I have for those things. Not even having been there, but like you know, working in public schools right now is working at the front lines of you know a once a, a, a an institution that once was bestowed with you know the the full confidence of our federal and state governments has now slowly had, like, whittled away its economic support. Um, and I think that, like, the book taps into that sort of, like, melancholy of, of like, watching these institutions fade. Uh, these institutions that were created when the United States federal government viewed itself very differently than it does now. Or maybe, or maybe it's less that the federal government views itself differently now, but the American public views the federal government differently. And I you know, the book is not completely rosy about the federal government. It does talk about the internment camps and all that, but it is a fairly rose-colored view of the New Deal, you know. Um, uh, you know, it, it basically deifies Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, at least the residents of this of this town do, because she, you know, gave them running water and electricity, which I guess, that, I mean, I might feel pretty nice toward her too. So I, I don't want to act like that this book is like, you know, the end-all be-all of this period of history, but I do think it, there's something about the emotional current of like this book that I think does tap into something that I feel sometimes, which is when you're when you're existing in an institution that was born out of an era in which American institutions could be uncoupled from market forces and you start seeing those market forces slowly creep into those institutions and start dis, like making them less secure. That I this book captures a little bit of that melancholy.
1: Well I don't really have any critiques um but things that like this I will say this book took me a little bit to get the tone it took me a while just because I'm not used to reading books like this I think you've read a lot more of these than I have like this is more your type of book um but it took me a little bit to get the tone and to understand the humor um but I did like it um like I said, this is another book that's very cavalier with death, and it just kind of surprises me. But that that's not really a critique. I will tell you one thing that annoyed the heck out of me as I was reading this was I love that mom, but that mom and dad, they they are putting their child right in the middle of their conflicts, and this poor kid should not have been grounded all summer. That's all I got to say. Um just that whole relationship was very frustrating. Like it's unclear to anybody, like, is he grounded because mom's mad at him or dad's mad at him or both and like And it's mostly he... because
0: they're mad at each other.
1: Exactly. This poor kid and his poor little nose bleeds. Like I don't know. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just felt really sad for him most of the book. But um, you know, if he hadn't have been grounded, he wouldn't have this relationship with Miss Walker doing the obituaries and
0: right. um,
1: it's what is oh, I'm forgetting now he writes his own obituary at the for end for a deer that's right it's for a deer
0: because his dad he and his dad go deer hunting it, and he this is actually another really funny scene yeah but
1: that's not the one he wrote it was the deer that his uncle killed oh, with right. the gun that's how we find out that his uncle was the one that put the bullet in the Rifle.
0: Right, because his uncle will come and take the rifle and use it to go deer hunting. I forgot about yeah. that, yeah.
1: But you can tell the funny scene that you were going to tell. Cause oh, I yeah, so he and his
0: part. dad go deer hunting, um, and they see this deer, and... Uh, I just want
1: to say Michael's sister, Lara would really appreciate this part of the book, I think.
0: Perhaps, yeah. Um, and his dad talks about you got to be really careful when you're hunting deer, because they can get spooked really easily. You know, even, like, a smell will, like, spook them. And so... Um, he sees this deer and they're, you know, the, the, dad's like, you know, getting the gun up, ready to shoot. him, and, and all of a sudden Jack like starts feeling remorse and thinking like, well, I don't want to kill this creature. Um, I don't want this creature to die. Um, and he's like, how can I, I got to scare off the deer without letting my dad know that I scared off the deer. How can I do that? And the only way that he can think to do it is, well, I've got to fart and it's <laughs> got to be so smelly that the deer will run away. Uh, and so, like, there's this, like, whole, like, page-and-a-half-long sequence in which he's trying to, like, muster up a fart before his dad fires the gun so that the deer will run off. Uh, and it's very funny. Um, so, I don't remember why we got to that, but...
1: we um, are talking about the obituary for the deer. That um, he's, like, so... Insp- he is so grieved by the death of this deer um, that his uncle has killed that he writes his own obituary for it. And it's this beautiful... Store. I don't know. It's just very, you could see all this inspiration from Miss um, Norvolk So Ms. anyway, Volker. Volker, see, look, <laughs> I don't know what anybody's name in this book is. I don't know. I don't usually do that. So anyway, those are the only, um, and then that whole part where his uncle kills the deer, his mom still doesn't want him to tell his dad That it was his uncle that put the bullet in it because she doesn't want the dad attacking her brother. And I'm like, y'all are still putting this kid in the middle of (laughs) y'all's inability to communicate or refusal to communicate. But anyway, his dad realizes that he didn't do it. Regardless, that whole, like it makes, it's not a critique of the book, but I was just very frustrated by those parents. So that's all that I have to say about what I didn't like.
0: I really like this book in general too and so I don't really have that much I dislike. I will say that um I think the part that works least about the book is the the ending where you find out that all these people have been murdered like I I don't know why that's in the book and maybe that's real life, maybe that's a true the true part of this semi-autobiographical book but i
1: highly doubt it because i think that would have made it on the wikipedia it page.
0: truly comes out of nowhere like like you just kind of assume that like well people die because they're old and like the book could have ended with that being the case it it feels like an artificial like climax to the book in a way that like I don't know, it's still fine and entertaining to read, but it is a real left turn that the book takes.
1: I don't know, I feel like it's kinda of there all along. Like these people in this town do really bizarre things. The whole Hells Angel subplot is that bizarre too. What we didn't mention is these Hells Angels to get revenge for their buddy being killed in the town because he was dancing in the street got run over. It's clearly his he fault. Got- they start burning down the houses like they start burning right down so the girl scouts home. have to keep
0: fire watch at and night <laughs>
1: who is allowing these little girls to keep watching that's what i'm saying this book is just bizarre like it's stuff that would never happen so i maybe I feel it wouldn't like it happen fits i don't know like
0: yeah i mean like it's not i don't know like there's also, a lot of this
1: these these Girl Scouts are getting money off their cookies that aren't going back to their troop, and that's just the norm. Did you notice that? That they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can raise... Like, that one family is like, oh, we can raise money to move. Like, <laughs> who, who's making money up? Like, I don't yeah, know, was I that a thing back in the 60s? I don't know
0: how the, the, the financial structure of the Girl Scouts the of money. America... They kept money like,
1: oh, yes. Like, it was like a summer job.
0: Um, but anyway, this like... that's crazy. I don't know if that's, like... Bad, but that was the part of the book that struck me. It stood out most as like, what are we even doing here? Like,
1: what have we been doing the whole time? Yes, like, but there's
0: a certain rhythm that the book falls into, and that ending kind of disrupts the rhythm. Anyway, it's not like a fatal flaw of the book because, um, like I said, I really like this. Um, I do think you said you said you see, the it says
1: in the in the book flap at the beginning that there's possibly murder,
0: possibly so murder. I didn't coming. read the book flap, so. Um anyway, you had anything else negative to say?
1: No, I don't really say anything negative. It's just like, you know, character things that
0: Yeah, it has a very specific energy to this book that like I imagine some people are really gonna be into. Some people won't Rebecca said like I've read a lot of these before. I by that I think she means like I'm not exactly sure. What did you mean by that? I
1: don't know. You just like you like books with dry humor, or or stories in general, you watch shows like this. You watch, like, I don't know. I just mean books that, like, aren't, like, I don't know, just, like, that dry, wild humor. Maybe.
0: When I think about this book, what it reminded me most of is there's, like, a certain strain of books, a lot of which were written around the time when this book takes place, that are, like, uh... I read a handful of these when i was growing up like this type, there's like a type of book where it's usually a male protagonist um who's you know some sort of young adult or child and he gets into scrapes and and different like shenanigans and they're all kind of like lightly comic and they're all taking place in like the same location like um like it's it's not exactly like a Beverly Cleary book, but, like, the Henry Huggins books are often kind of like this. Like, if you go back and read, like... Because those, those kind of predate the Ramona books where I think she starts to get a little bit more into, like, emotionally nuanced territory. Henry Huggins books are more mostly... Never yeah, the those read them. Yeah, those Beverly Cleary books are mostly, like, Henry Huggins is trying to do this thing and things kind of go south with him mm-hmm. trying to do this thing. Like, there's this, like, story in one of the books where he's like, I want... Uh, a pet guppy. And so he goes and gets this pet guppy, but this guppy, like... Or there's two guppies, and they lay eggs, and then more guppies are um, hatched. And he eventually, like, fills up his whole room with, like, guppies um, and doesn't know what to do with them. And, like, there's, like, a lot of books like that from, like, the 1950s and 60s, like, children's literature. Like, another one that my family really liked when I was growing up was Homer Price, right? Like, this... This kid named Homer Price, like, lives in... By Robert McCloskey, like, of Make Way mm-hmm. for Ducklings fame, Blueberries for Sal fame. Um, and the whole book is just, like, he's getting into scrapes that, you know, you know, he's doing odd jobs or, or you know, doing... And it's all kind of comedic. And um, I feel like this this book kind of captures the feeling of that, where, like, there's this kid, and he keeps getting into different scenarios over the course of a summer and it's kind of episodic and it's kind of comedic and he keeps getting into getting into trouble getting into scrapes or getting into like preposterous situations and that's what it reminded me of maybe less of like dry humor or bizarre stuff although i can see that too there's like maybe like a twin peaks quality to this book but this mostly reminded me of that kind of book
1: yeah
0: um but i give it thumbs up yeah thumbs up um I know my dad really likes the kind of book that I just described and I think my dad would really like this book. So if he you're might. listening dad, Dead End in Norveld, I'd, I'd check it out. Um mom, I'm not sure if you'd like this or not. <laughs> we'll see. Let us know if you read it and you like it or don't. Um, any any last thoughts on this? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that's that. Um next time we're in the 2020s Woo-hoo! baby. We're we're almost we're almost uh, ready to skip back into the 1920s. Mm. It might be good.
1: It might be. But the next book is a graphic novel.
0: Yeah, we're going to be reading the um, 2020 winner of the medal, Newbery Medal, and it's called New Kid by Jerry Craft. Is this the only graphic novel that's ever won the Newbery Medal?
1: I don't know. I did not look at that. But um, I'm I'm hoping I can maybe read it with Jarvis because I think he's – There's, we... uh, Our
0: son is named Jarvis. Yeah, we've got... In case there's uh, other people besides (laughs) our family listening, which I'm not sure is the case. I don't
1: know. But we uh, have... I've picked up a few graphic novels, and he's been interested, so maybe this is one we can read together, which would be fun. Um, I lost track of what I was going to say. Sorry.
0: At any rate... Oh,
1: what I was going to say is we are pretty sure that they're soon going to announce the... um, the... the winner of the book written in 2022 so we'll try to announce that we'll try to look out for that and announce that here on the podcast um when they announce any new that's right
0: yeah so stay tuned you may see us break the news of (laughs) of the the next literary superstar in children's (laughs) lit yeah it's an
1: exciting time happy 2023 yeah happy 2023
0: we are recording this on january 5th Mm -hmm. um I was looking back and most of the Newbery medals in recent years were announced near the end of January. So we'll see.
1: So stay tuned for that. We'll
0: see. Stay tuned for that or just read it in the news like probably most people would. Or don't even pay attention to it at all, which is actually probably what most people (laughs) would do. But if you're one of us sick nerds and care about this stuff, um, tis the season.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening.
0: Yeah. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.